as we turn the page into a new year, I'd love to say all the challenges of the yesteryear are gone. I think they're still somewhat there. They're spilling over. The market is anticipating the central banks to put a pause on the rate hiking. But at the same time, investors are concerned about inverted yield curves. And we've been talking a lot about that, possible economic slowdowns. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The latest U.S. inflation print points toward a continued deceleration in consumer prices, likely providing the Fed the evidence it needs to reduce or even pause altogether an expected interest rate hike at the FOMC's next meeting. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Matt Montemuro, and your host Mackenzie Box discuss why investors may want to maintain defensive exposure despite a less hawkish Fed. They also dive into how factor investing can mitigate the market volatility that will likely persist well into the year. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights podcast with our team of experts. This is our first podcast of 2023, so I just wanted to wish everyone a happy new year, and thank you all for continuing to tune in and provide comments and questions. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management, and today I'm joined by my colleagues, Matt Montemuro and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you, Matt and Chris, for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Mackenzie. Thanks, Mackenzie. Good to be here. Since this is our first podcast of the new year, we're going to discuss and reflect on what happened in 2022 and what the outlook looks like for 2023. So with that, we'll get started. So Matt, as we look at 2022, it was a very strong year for ETF flows in Canada. Can you give us an overview of what happened in the year and what are the trends you saw and what does this tell us about the markets? Yeah, absolutely, Mackenzie, and, and Happy New Year, everybody. So as we move into 2023, you know, it's always good to look back, see what happened and see if we can maybe project into the future. So it's obviously been a tough year for markets, you know, just looking you know, across the board. TSX was down 6%. S&P was down 20 The FTSE Canada bond universe was down 12 The U.S. bond universe was down 13 So, you know, very rarely do we see such negative returns across the board. I think it's only the third time uh, in the last, over, in over 100 years that uh, both uh, equity and fixed income markets were, were down across the board. Um, you know, but on the ETF front, uh, ETFs remain resilient, providing investors with options in some places uh, that they could weather uh, the constant volatility and weather some of the storm during, uh, during the year. If you look at the Canadian ETF industry, the industry itself added about $35 billion of net new AUM. That's about a 10% growth. Uh, in 2022. So, you know, although that is a little bit of a smaller growth than we've seen compounded over the last 10 years, it's still some some monumental growth and, and significant increase to the to the industry. That is, it's actually the third highest single year total on record, basically be behind 
2021 and 2020. You know, after that 35 billion of net new AUM, total AUM and ETFs in Canada right now sits at about 314 billion. So from a provider perspective, we're very proud to to announce that uh, BMO led the industry in flows for the 12th consecutive year. You know, that was uh, headlined by a strong finish to the year in November and December. Uh, we finished the year with about $6.8 billion of net new assets. So a big thank you to all of our clients out there for, for helping us make that happen. You know, and if you look at across the spectrum of, of providers, you know, about 63% of net flows came from the four largest providers, the top four. You know, uh, I think investors continued to look uh, to hide and, and, and shelter their portfolios from some volatility. So from an asset class perspective, we saw cash and short-term fixed income ETFs. Those are the big winners this year in terms of asset gathering, fixed income ETFs as a whole. You know, again, while we saw it was a challenging uh, environment performance from a performance perspective, uh, it had a record year for inflows with 19 billion of, of new assets and ETFs. So, you know, fixed income uh, ETFs continued to be a tool that is used during periods of volatility for investors because they're able to switch exposures quite easily. Uh, so, you know, even though we saw negative returns in both Canada and the U.S., uh, you know, those inflows are, are are a testament to, you know, investors' ability to use ETFs uh, to shelter and, and provide um, strong returns or protection for, for their clients. Um, equity ETFs brought in about $13 billion. That was equally split between Canada, U.S., and international exposures. If you look overall, uh, fixed income ETFs brought in about 54% of net inflows. You know, again, despite a tough landscape, investors are increasingly looking to use ETFs uh, for their fixed income needs. You know, if you look at BMO, we have the three by three matrix that allow investors to pick exactly where they want to be on the credit uh, and yield curve. And I think in such a volatile market, the ability to segment the market and pick and choose exactly where you want to be uh, is very, very attractive. And we're continually seeing investors choose ETFs uh, for that purpose. Looking on the multi-asset front, multi-asset ETFs continue to be popular uh, among investors. You know, we did see inflows slow down a little bit this year, but still a very strong year uh, for flows uh, overall in that uh, multi-asset category. So if I'm looking on the equity side, uh, just in terms of kind of a little bit drilling down a little bit more, you know, broad beta passive still dominates flows, but we are starting to see, you know, a little bit of a, a decline in share uh, from that perspective as, you know, thematic, you know, dividend and income sector ETFs, they're taking up more and more of, of investor mindshare. Uh, you know, decisions I think are being made uh, very, very uh, specifically in, in their portfolios. So we're definitely seeing an uptick there. Uh, from a thematic perspective, ESG continues to be the largest category, but we are starting to see uh, some in growing interest in things like agriculture ETFs. That was a pickup, you know, probably. Uh, one of the reasons because inflation is such a concern, you know, investors looking to, you know, this new theme of agriculture ETFs. Looking on the uh, fixed income side, you know, flows show that uh, there have been actually some market-wide tactical shifts in positioning during 2022. Uh, early on, we saw outflows in long-duration products in favor of short. Uh, but later in the year, as, uh, you know, a recession became 
you know, more and more realistic, you know, we saw that trade start to reverse, uh, you know, again, another benefit of the, the ETF being able to put, put on and take off risk uh, as you see fit. So all in all, this year uh, definitely was dominated by cash and short-term fixed income flows. Like that was the biggest uh, asset driver, you know, close to 10 billion uh, of, it, of the um, of the 34 billion that brought in were, was was cash and short-term fixed income, three of the top four spots uh, from a single ETF perspective. So, you know, that's definitely meaningful. That definitely shows us that investors are putting money in a safe place right now, but that also means that investors are looking for opportunities as we move into 2023. And, you know, I think as opportunities start to show themselves, we could see some big allocation shifts, both on the equity and fixed income side of the book. So, you know, overall, that's kind of a quick overview of what we saw from flows. Um, you know, I think we are all looking forward to maybe a little bit more positivity in 2023. Uh, and I think ETFs uh, are very well positioned to allow investors to pick and choose exactly where they want to be on both the equity and uh, fixed income allocations of their portfolios. Great. Thanks, Matt. I think, uh, this year has really just shown the benefits of ETFs for investors. Save the date. The BMO ETFs Virtual Economic Forum is coming to you on February the 8th. Join industry-leading experts as they share their rapid-fire perspectives and insights for the year ahead in a can't-miss 90-minute event. Register now at BMOETFs.ca. Keeping on the topic of what happened in 2022, Chris, we'll turn it over to you to talk about factors. So defensive factors outperformed as well as value. Can you recap some of the various factor performances of the year and give some insights as we look ahead to 2023? Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie. And uh, yeah, Happy New Year as well from my end to you and all our listeners out there. As Matt was saying, with defense being a bit of the theme on the flows front, uh, it was the theme in equities, as you said, for sure. So, uh, you know, the most defensive factors such as low volatility and dividend were really the best performing. And in many cases, they actually had positive performance last year, you know, despite the challenges in the broad beta space. For example, uh, ZLB, which is our BMO Canadian low volatility equity ETF, a defensive strategy that holds stocks that are less sensitive to market movements. Uh, It was about flat for the year, uh, whereas the TSX was down uh, 5.5% or so. Uh, If you looked at low volatility in the U.S., the ZLU, so BMO U.S. low volatility equity ETF, that one actually outperformed the index by 20%. So in Canadian dollar terms, uh, that S&P was down about 12%. Uh, ZLU was up 7%. So benefiting from currency as well as defensive positioning, you know, it really shows you, you know, just to kind of amplify on some of the things Matt was saying, and you were saying, Mackenzie, you know, the the, the value proposition of ETFs, there's, uh, gives you so, such powerful tools to, um, to really customize a portfolio that might, you know, take advantage of some of those trends that were in favor. So low volatility was definitely one. Dividends was something that we saw a real resurgence in dividends and dividend-based strategies over the past 12 to 18 months. You know, as you remember before, kind of the difficulties of COVID, and actually even in the early stages of COVID, it was all about tech, tech, tech. Well, that was not the case this year. And you go back to those kind of blue chip, high quality dividend payers. We saw very good performance across our suite, uh, outperformance of 
uh, depending on the, the region, between 4 and 9%. Uh, so definitely saw, um, you know, those higher quality dividend payers perform well and uh, a place where investors were a little more comfortable to park cash and collect income and, and be in stable, you know, kind of more mature companies. And as you said, value outperformed. One thing we really saw, and we talked a lot about it on the podcast last year, was the impact of rising interest rates on growth and on tech companies, you know, certainly played a significant role. Uh, the NASDAQ was down around 30% for the year. You know, those more tech-sensitive, growth-sensitive uh, areas of the S&P were down, you know, quite a bit. We saw, you know, kind of the lights come off and, and some of those high flyers like Amazon, Tesla, and Meta, uh, to name a few. Um, and, and the focus instead was really on value. So, um, you know, those are some of the things that were happening in 2022. You know, as we turn the page into a new year, I'd love to say all the challenges of, 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 of uh, the yesteryear are gone. I think they're still somewhat there. They're spilling over. You know, the market is anticipating the, the central banks to, to kind of put a pause on the rate hiking. But at the same time, you know, investors are concerned about uh, inverted yield curves. And we've been talking a lot about that, possible economic slowdowns. So I think defense is still a very good place to be from a factor point of view. And I think the dividends or the low volatility, but, you know, in particular dividends, um, I think are, are, are a good place to consider putting an allocation. And again, it's not focusing on those really high yielding companies that have a lot of risk. So don't, you know, don't just screen by sector and pick out the highest yielding companies. Look for, you know, uh, really solid dividend paying equities. And, you know, that's really the focus of our dividend suite, you know, ZDV, the BMO Canadian Dividend Portfolio or the, the uh, you know, our other iterations in different markets. Looking for those high quality dividends, I think that's a good place to be. And then, you know, dividend paying equities have been shown to kind of have good performance in periods of high inflation that we're still dealing with. So a little bit of defense and, you know, I know we're, you know, I don't want to go on uh, forever and ever, but, you know, also keeping an eye on growth um, and, and, and pairing factors, I think is a really effective way to look at it. So, you know, if you have a defensive factor in the portfolio, then you can use that to pair it with a little more of a growth factor. And perhaps that's value, perhaps it's NASDAQ and, uh, you know, maybe a subject for another time. But I think defense is kind of where we lean. We'll see how things develop, but also keeping it in mind to have a nice balanced uh, exposure in your portfolio. You want to have some exposure to growth as well. Great. Thanks, Chris. I think we're all uh, hoping for a, uh, a better 2023 um, moving ahead. So switching gears a bit here, um, Matt, we'll, we'll turn it to you. So the December U.S. CPI, the Consumer Price Index, uh, were printed today. Can you give us an overview of what happened and what this tells us about the markets moving forward? Yep, absolutely. Big day today. First CPI print, uh, both Canada and the U.S., uh, of 2023. Uh, so this is the December print. And, you know, we we had a lot of anticipation in the markets. but Mackenzie just mentioned, we're hoping for some optimism. Uh, this print did bring some optimism into the market. You know, CPI came and went without much commotion, which is, uh, which is ideal. You, you know, getting tons of volatility right after the print means something's either gone wrong or, or something unexpected has happened. So, you know, De December CPI printed at 6.5%. 
uh, down meaningfully from November's 7.1%. So again, you know, that is a positive trend. Uh, but the the reason that it's la- less of a commotion is that it was perfectly in line with economists' expectations and consensus. Um, you know, it does continue to look like higher rates by the Fed are having a meaningful impact on price levels. So that's good to see. You know, it's it, it would be very troubling to see if the impact of higher rates was not uh, starting to be shown in prices. So we're, we're starting to see that result, which is good. We, we, we still have some room to grow uh, to go, obviously, with a 6.5 print, uh, you know, long term average wanting to be around that 2%, 2.5% range. So, you know, still work to be done. But it's, it's nice to see that the trend is starting to move down. So let's look a little bit deeper in today's softer print. A big contributor was a sharp drop in gasoline prices. But if we look at core, the core inflation number, um, you know, prices still do remain hot. Uh, you know, so, ex- you know, that core number, excluding food and energy, we saw a 0.3% increase. Um, with core looking at about 5.7%. So again, you know, yes, there's positives. There's also still, you know, concerns there. There's still work to be done. Uh, But if you look at the three-month annualized rate that we've seen in core CPI, it does look promising. It does look around that 3.1%. So again, that is a positive downward trajectory. You know, hopefully we continue to see that as we move into 2023. Um, You know, uh, a lot of that is also in line with consensus, which tends to mean less volatility in the market post print. So all in all, you know, today was actually a quiet uh, impact as as much of this was expected and kind of priced in. Market continues to price in a very optimistic expectations, I will say, for, for inflation. To keep coming down, you know, there there are some forward-looking indicators that that are calling for you know a 2.3% top-line CPI by June. Um, that does seem optimistic to me, but time will tell. You know, we, we've started to see that downward trend. Uh, you know, it's a matter of of when. I think at this point it, it continues to come down. I think the Fed is going to err on the side of conservativeness and either continue to raise rates or maintain higher rates for longer just to make sure that we are on a firm footing of of price movement downward but you know i think t- what today does is it gives the fed the ammunition that they may have been looking for to slow down the hiking cycle uh, market expectations have come down with today's print you know expecting 25 basis points uh, in at the February 1st meeting, um, but making 50 basis points more unlikely. So, you know, 25 was already priced in. There was a chance for 50. Now it's looking for 25. And, and, and to be honest, if you look at the market's reaction this afternoon, uh, you know, we're starting to see a potential uh, U.S. terminal rate of under 5%. Again, I still think that might be a little bit under uh, under where we may see it, I think five percent, just over five percent, is is a is a realistic number for the for the U.S. Um, but I think the positive is that it it does mean, or it likely means, that we are nearing an earlier end to the hiking cycle in the U.S. than previously predicted, and this could mean that the Fed could pause rate hikes sooner. So all those things, I think that's a positive sign to look forward to. I think it's a good start to 2023. We have Canadian CPI coming next week, and hopefully we can continue that momentum forward. Thanks, Matt. It's great to hear some positive news coming out of that. We'll see what the rest of the year holds.
Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client-friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing, with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now at bmoetfs.ca, that's bmoetfs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform. Chris, switching to you. BMO ETFs is known for their covered call suite. Uh, The VIX, the CBOE Market Volatility Index, has come down slightly this year. Uh, at the start of the year, and is currently sitting around 20. How is the outlook for these strategies into 2023? And can you talk about the importance of the experience of experience in this area? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the question. And as Matt has said, some of this positivity has uh, has been really you know great to see, as you both said. But uh, you know, one of the impacts is it will reduce volatility a bit. So typically, volatility and, and you know is measured by the VIX. You know, when things get bad, volatility goes up. When things get good, you tend to have volatility come down. So we're seeing the VIX, as you mentioned, now in that kind of 20 area. It's still a healthy amount of volatility. And I think we can all kind of confirm that with our personal experiences of of interacting with this market. There's still a fair bit of volatility. It is very constructive to see, you know, some of that that positivity around a a, a relenting uh, inflation month over month print. But again, back on the volatility side, what it means for covered calls, you know, volatility is one of the most uh, important inputs to the pricing of a covered call, you know, as we've talked about and, uh, you know, we'll continue to talk about um, it, it. You know, the higher the volatility, the more premium can be earned and the more kind of further away those strike prices can be set. So allowing more upside for clients. I still look at that pre-COVID level of kind of 10 to 15 on the VIX is where it was. And post-COVID, you know, ignoring kind of that real shock or at the beginning, but, you know, typically in that kind of 20 or 25 to 30 range. So what I'm saying is it's still quite a bit higher than pre-COVID. It's still very attractive for these strategies. The other thing, investors, you know, when you're thinking about covered calls is remember how important the underlying equity is. Uh, you always want to build a, ha- a house on a strong foundation, you know, and, and you know, to use that kind of um, metaphor is, 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 is very much true in this space as well. So while covered calls, we often talk about options, you know, really think about what those equities are. And, and when we created our suite, you know, it took a lot of time and effort to create, you know, really strong equity portfolios. Um, and, you know, on the dividend covered call side, you know, as, as well as kind of, you know, extolling the virtues of dividends. Uh, we have some dividend covered call strategies. So, for example, I'll say the U.S. one, the ZWH, the BMO U.S. High Dividend Covered Call ETF. These types of strategies can help, you know, have that defensiveness, but still have equity upside. And then with the covered call area, add income. So I think this is an area that's going to continue to help investors. You know, it is an area on terms of flows. In 2022, where we saw you know, a lot of strong investor interest, and I think we'll continue to see it this year. Um, you know, the environment continues to favor it. And in terms of the importance of experience, I just want to subtly remind and not bragging here, but, you know, BMO did establish the covered call ETF space in Canada. We established it in 2011 with our first uh, covered call strategy, the ZWB. So the BMO covered call Canadian banks ETF. We've obviously since broadened that out to include uh, dividend based factors, some other sector factors. 
but we started this in 2011 and the team that started it started it is we're all still here we've added to the team and we've added option experts over time but the team has been in place the whole time and i think you know this is a little bit of a more involved strategy so it, you know it's very important to have you know expertise and experience when managing cover calls in order to do it most effectively so i think experience is key you know we've been leaders and we have the experience in bmo and i, I think we're going to see these strategies again continue to attract a lot of investor interest and i certainly think you know income is one way that you know as investors we can deal with uh, higher cpi and a way to buffer against risk, the higher the income stream can help buffer against risk as well. So I think we'll continue to see that interest in. And so we're excited to uh, you know, come back and do it again for 2023. Great. Thanks, Chris. That's all the questions that we have for this week. So thank you for everyone for listening in and joining us as we start our 2023 year of podcasts. A special thank you to both Matt and Chris for providing some great insights on what we saw in 2022 and as we look forward into 2023. So just want to thank everyone. Have a great day. And we look forward to you tuning in this year. Thank you to Chris Heeks, Matt Montemuro, and Mackenzie Box for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF, ticker ZLB, which invests in high quality stocks that exhibit lower volatility than the broader market. Our experts also discussed the BMO Canadian Dividend ETF, ticker ZDV, which provides investors income and growth potential, and the BMO U.S. High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWH, which invests in high dividend-paying U.S. companies for investors looking for more income generation. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.